his trail of bones. What are these messages from the grave? Hello, sassies. Hi there. Sassies. Anyway, how's everyone doing on this fine, sweaty day? Yeah. How, how are the How are the graveyard tramps out there handling their, you know, imposed isolation? Their 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 coronation, <laughs> as I like to call it. I like it. It's not It's not much of a vacation. It is basically hell. How How, how are you? Are you doing good? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, just been playing more video games. Um, I finished Final Fantasy VII. So did I. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious. Uh, we should wait until a little ways, and we can talk about how we feel about the endings, just because, you know, it's still fairly new, and I don't want to spoil things for anybody. Oh, yeah. Overall, I think the game was amazing. I really like. Yeah, it a lot. I've I've definitely got some nitpicks, but I feel like that's more like combat and system associated than it is like storyline. Yeah, me too. I, as someone who's never experienced the original, I really don't have that much to complain about. So, sure. as like a fanboy or anything, I I I was that kid who uh, I didn't have a console until a GameCube growing up. Me too. And actually. so I spent a lot of time at my buddy Landon's place. Shout out to Landon if he ever listens to this episode. Um. But I used to spend a lot of time at my buddy Landon's place, and him and his oldest brother were, like, RPG connoisseurs. And so they played, like, all the Final Fantasies, every Secret of Mana they could get their hands on, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I watched exponentially more RPGs than I personally played. Okay. I guess that's true for me as well. Uh, I didn't get into RPGs until much later in my life. Same. Uh, At least not, like, properly. Yeah. Um, I had always, like, heard of them, and I was never a turn-based person. I couldn't do it. I was too impatient, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to do shit. But then, like, I played Persona 3 Mm. for the first time, and that really turned me. And then I went on, like, a binge Mm -hmm. for, like, three years of just, like, hardcore turn-based RPGs, mm-hmm. all any kind. Um, the first one I can remember, like, truly loving was Persona 3, and then after that, uh, Final Fantasy fifteen came out, mm-hmm. and I played the shit out of that game. Hmm. I still haven't finished that one yet. I actually have not either, but I played it a whole fuck ton. Mm. Um, um, for me, it was really, like... Like, I don't have anything against JRPGs. It's just not necessarily the best format for me. Because mm-hmm. having ADHD and having, like, 50 hours of game where, like, I have to be on the ball and keeping up with everything that's happening the whole time is something of a challenge. Mm. Oh, you must hate Kingdom Hearts. Um, <laughs> mixed feelings on Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> me too. Uh, I think uh, Kingdom Hearts... Once you understand, like, the logic or lack thereof of how Nomura likes to tell stories, I think it's easier to follow because you 
ask way less questions and you kind of just understand to accept things to a certain extent. Right. Um, but for me, it was all about finding stuff that had enough of a like pick up and play and or like recap ability kind of function to it. So that if you took a break for a few months per se, uh, that you didn't feel completely lost. Yeah. That's hard to find. I feel no, for sure. Like, uh, cause lots really of paper Mario, uh, paper Mario for the GameCube. Ooh, like and, uh, oh yes. What a great super good. Game. Um, and, uh, persona four and yeah. final fantasy 10 where like the core mission, it's sort of like one piece where the core mission is like consistent enough that even though you might take a break for a really long time, things stay like the overall trajectory is still the same throughout. Right. So it, it feels like you never left in a sense, which is really nice. True. Um, I have news, video game news. If you haven't, I don't know if you've probably heard about this or not. Uh Uh, so do you know the game dead by daylight? Yes. Okay. So it's about the new uh, DLC. Oh yes. Uh, so they're doing Silent Hill DLC, and mm-hmm. I'm shitting my sh- sh- I'm shitting my pants because Silent Hill hasn't had anything new in what since PT. Dude, I I feel for Silent Hill fans the same way I feel for myself as like a Jet Set Radio, <laughs> oh. air like Air Gear, like all these other franchises that I really love. Like, I totally... Or, like, Katamari. Like, I it. it. sucks. Well, because as soon as you get, like, the tiniest morsel of content, even if it's BS DLC for some game that you weren't even interested in necessarily, it feels like a spotlight has been shown on you, and it's just like, this is my moment. Yeah. That's like, um... I think I remember... I think they put Jet Set Radio on, like, Game Pass or something. Mm-hmm. And everybody flipped their shit for a while. Because like, it's god-tier. Like, I, yes, I've the controls are super it. clunky. The controls are mega clunky. But just the the artwork, the vibe, the atmosphere, like, it all feels so right. I remember when I was very young, I watched a review of that game on a website. I believe it was called Game Trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just remember, I was like, oh, I want to play that, and then I never did, and I still have oh, it to this day. Oh, dude. Like, it's it's not as, like, Tony Hawk as it might look on the surface. It's certainly not, like, about the tricks and stuff. It's right. More, it's much more, like, uh, opposite end of the spectrum arcade where, okay. like, you kind of go, for, like, you've got, like, a little area to play within, and basically tricks and like grinding and stuff is really more to access certain spots so that you can like graffiti tag in certain areas that you're that are like marked and then the cops show up and you have to like run away from them and finish marking all of the territory that you've been that's like on your map and stuff and then you win like that spot and then you go to the next area oh it's on steam okay yeah i'll totally play it it's like nine dollars on steam oh dude I'll I can only like imagine. Tonight. I hope people have made mods for it. I hope like, so. Ones. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. Let's see if fucking like Nexus has like a, a page for it. And the that's, soundtrack. Like, the thing. That's that's what the games are really about is the soundtrack. It's the sort of sound- like Katamari, where like the gameplay isn't super dynamic. It's like a, but... an avenue to like deliver you awesome music. Yes. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. 
and like just tons and tons and tons of personality and style and just create like a little bubble of like environment and you can just like get lost in that for a little bit and it feels real nice do you ever think there'll be another jet set radio game so i know you hope so but uh, every day um (laughs) i mean here's the thing i think it would take a certain amount of like either like fan outcry which i've seen a lot more of recently since i started following some uh jet set radio tags on twitter and stuff um obviously because i'm focusing on it but uh it seems like something people want but again this is sega we're talking about and if it isn't yakuza sakura wars or obviously sonic like they don't really care yeah that's i mean yeah sega is like one of those companies that has its things and it doesn't do anything else because it's what makes them money. Right. And, and even though I would argue that Sonic, like the Sonic formula, be it 2d or 3d has never been perfected. I think Sonic mania was probably the closest, but even then I feel like, and that wasn't even really made by Sega. It was made by like fans. Exactly. I feel like Sonic team has never fully nailed down what a Sonic game should be. And that's why they've had such an identity crisis over the last like 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels like they've never... Uh, like, with every cartoon and, like, uh, video game and all those things, they have what they call, like, a style guide or a Bible, where um, they have, like, every piece of information about, like, that property written down. So, like, every character... So, like, for a show, every piece of character information, like, if in a throwaway line, they say, like, oh, yeah, my parents are in Kentucky. Like, that is added to the... Uh, like the bible right yeah um and so it feels like they never did that with sonic and like ironed out exactly what the core attributes are because yeah it's it's like different than like the mario formula because that's oh oh yeah because mario has like mario has become like ironclad in like what does and does not feel like Mario. What looks and does not look like Mario, right? Like, to the point where, like, when they go outside of the box, it's clearly an intentional thing. Yeah, and like with Odyssey You know that it's an Galaxy. intentional thing. Yeah, like, they don't make stylistic mistakes like that, really. No, they're, they have they, things so well-defined. Yeah, and they have since, like, 1986. Right. So. Um, I mean, obviously, they've, like, slipped up here and there. Like, I'd argue that basically no piece of uh, Mario media on TV or movie has like obeyed any of those rules, but yeah, I think, I think overall, there's ever been anything good. Yeah. Um, but uh, like even from like a game design standpoint, I feel like Sonic doesn't know what it wants to be. Cause like even the original game, it's like, okay, so we're going to have him move like really fast. Right. Cause that's like his thing. He's so fast. So we're going to put him right at the front of the screen and we're, gonna make it so that after the first level there's gonna be a bunch of other levels where you've got a bunch of platforms that you have to like sit and wait for because we're about speed (laughs) yeah like they claim it's like momentum based gameplay but then like they just throw all these fucking roadblocks in front of you right right and that's the stuff that always gets me like the first three games are all basically identical in that regard right where it's like (sighs) it'll be about speed until it's not and then it's back about speed and then it's not and it feels like 
even with the 2000s games, like, they never, like, hammered out, like, what a 3D Sonic should be. Because yeah. in my head, uh, there, there's actually, like, a like a fan-made Sonic tech demo that I saw once upon a time where uh, this guy put Sonic with a pulled-back camera so you can see, like, a huge stretch of what's in front of you. And the level that he composed is made of huge strips of area and there's still like loops and jumps and all that kind of stuff but like there are huge like lanes if you will of like space for you to actually take advantage of being able to move fast and you can see what's coming in front of you so you can move out of the way which to me makes sense it does make sense i um i don't like sonic (laughs) that's just i was gonna be like oh i have a favorite sonic game i don't I, don't I like Sonic one. on paper, and there are parts of the games, like some of the games that I really like, but I just wish that they took more time to fully develop their ideas and not rush the games out because they make them money. Hot take, Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow the Hedgehog, best Sonic game. <laughs> <laughs> they need they need their, uh, their come-to-Jesus uh, Breath of the Wild moment where they, like, take things back to basics, but in a way that pushes them forward, you know? yeah. Not like Sonic the Hedgehog 4 on mobile. Exclusive. <laughs> I surprisingly... 2.5D. Fran- 2.5D with most games is a mistake. No, the only game that did it good is Klonoa. Which, which I never played, really. It's really fun. I enjoy hmm. it a lot. I'm not a platformer person, but that one I like. Mm-hmm. For some reason. Anyway, do you want to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark? I was going to say... You know what else feels like it has trouble identif- like identifying what makes a good installment sometimes? Season one of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. Cool. Um, so we are going to go and watch that, and we will be right back with you guys after the break. Time's up, Lucky. Hand over those delicious Lucky Charms. Oh, no. Lucky. Time to give you your new charm, the hourglass. A new charm, but what does it do? Marshmallow power! Hand over those delicious Lucky Charms! Lucky! Again? Lucky Charm cereal, the only place you can find the new hourglass charm. Part of this good breakfast. I can control time? Wow! And we're back. Okay, so here we are. Episode 10, The Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. It's you. This is your story. I know, right? This is my herstory. Yeah. <laughs> your scissor and whatnot. Ooh. Ooh. This is my lean. Oh my god. Alright, so this episode starts re- really sad. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. really sad, but like, sadder than it's ever been. Like, Yeah, yeah. This is maybe the episode, uh, like, the most... Uh, or out of all the episodes we've seen, I feel like this one is the most uh, like ill-fitting with like the spooky opening because it just opens on Gary like standing by the campfire and being like, "Hey guys, um, this was gonna be uh, Frank's night to tell a story, but uh, due to some unforeseen complications, it's gonna be Eric's story." Yeah, which we never fu- do. We ever? I don't think we ever found out what those unforeseen complications were. Probably no, cause... no, we did. Oh, did we? Yeah. I must uh, admit, so, then. so it's because 
so the reason why Eric wants to tell a story this week is because his grandfather passed away uh, like a few uh, days ago. Oh, right. Sorry. For some reason, I thought that when he said that, like, due to unforeseen circumstances, I thought, like, he wasn't there. But he's there. Mm. Like, Frank is there. Mm -hmm. But he's just not telling the story. Yeah. Okay. That's me being a dumbass, everyone. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. Um, Yeah, so Eric's grandfather died. Mm -hmm. uh, And he is Irish, as he Mm -hmm. says many times. And Eric Um, does a very... Uh, I guess, you know, not the worst Irish accent in this episode. It's better than I can do, man. Yeah. Um, Th- those vowel it's... sounds, those screw me up every time. Yeah, it's hard. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it's really sad because he's talking about all the stories that his, that his pop-pop used to tell him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I had, this is, and he leads into the story being like, this is one of pop-pop's favorites. And then he tells it, uh, Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. Yeah, um, before that, though, I want oh, to acknowledge sorry. that... No, no, you're you're totally fine. But uh, before that, I want to acknowledge a couple things. Okay. I, I had a few points that I wrote down based on this lead-in discussion that blew my mind. So, okay. Uh, Eric is sort of talking about, like, like, old Irish folklore. Like, he brings up, like, Kelpies and, you know, like, whatever. Oh, yeah, um, Pixies and stuff. Yeah, and Spriggans and all this shit. Uh, so... He also shows us this hat, like this traditional, like, tricorn hat that uh, Eric's grandfather gave him mm-hmm. before he uh, passed away. And right. um, he mentions that his grandpa said something about, like, the magic of the pixies or whatever, right? Um, and so that immediately follows with Kristen needing to ask, like, what a pixie is. And I, I, I understand that, like, the traditional Irish folklore definition is much more broad than just like little fairy kind of things. Um, but like, like come the hell on. Like you, you get the idea. Like, you know what a fucking pixie is. Yeah. Like you at least get like the base idea and then Kiki and then, uh, uh, Eric mentions, uh, leprechauns and then Kiki asks what a leprechaun is. Fuck off. (laughs) Like, Kids know what leprechauns are. You celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Canada, correct? Yeah. Okay. Like, even if you didn't, you have to understand the basic idea. Like, and and these kids are in, like, middle school, heading into, like, they're in, like, 7th, 8th grade. Like, you know. Like, they're almost in high school. Yeah, like, go to hell. Go to hell. Even the little kids watching this show know what that is. Like, go to hell. Yeah, I'm sure, like, seven-year-olds who watch this show are like, I know what a leprechaun is. Why doesn't she yeah. know what a leprechaun yeah, is? Yeah, why is Kiki so deficient? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, Eric describes leprechauns as small old men that wear green, and they make shoes, and they wear hats like the one that his grandpa gave him. Um, according to his grandpa, he won the hat in a trade, and uh, if you, like, catch a pixie or you, like... Uh, suggest a trade no matter how shitty it is if you say mine be yours and yours be mine they have to go through with it so you could like be like "Ooh, that's a nice lamborghini you got there mr leprechaun uh here's this piece of shit yeah yeah like here's a peanut what (laughs) mine Mine be yours yours and yours be mine mine. (laughs) right 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 and then and then they just have to like suck it up and deal yeah i've never Um, i've never heard that outside of this before i've never heard that in reference yeah yeah 
Um, I don't don't know if it is a real thing or not. I saw this episode when I was relatively young, so, like, I have heard it, but it's probably me remembering this. Okay. Yeah, I like the Um, idea of, like, the whole pixies. There's, like, different kinds of them, and they're all different things. Yeah, it's sort of... I I came to sort of treat it like uh, the, the... Japanese term yokai, which sort of describes their cryptids, so to speak. Right. Where, like, Irish pixies are just sort of like the European equivalent to yokai, yokai. Where, like, yeah. they have certain, like, each one is sort of known for a particular habit or, like, practice. And it's like, oh, this is the one that, like, if you follow, leads you off a cliff. Or, like, this is the one that if you make a deal with, will, like... Uh, eat your foot or something i don't know yeah right because eric mentions he describes the kelpie thing where he they like the kelpie tricks kids to riding on him and they take yeah, it out like, to the murder ocean horse. Eat them, the murder horse which yeah, was yeah. in frozen the aquatic 2, murder horse so badass yeah the that was right in, on my uh, back trevor yeah <laughs> that was in frozen 2 they tame Snappy a kelpie sack. in that movie wait what really yeah oh they made it look all beautiful and majestic didn't they uh, kinda. Is it a murder horse still? It's still, it starts off a murder horse, but then they make nice with it. Better. Yeah, it tries to kill Elsa at one point. Well, that's something. Yeah. Fuck Idina Menzel. That's my hot <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, so I have a friend who, um, until recently, thanks Corona, was, uh, doing a bunch of, like, stage performance work. Um, oh, okay. Super talented and successful. Um, shout out to Luke if he ever listens to this episode. Um, but uh, I only knew who Adina Menzel was because he was obsessed with her. Oh. And then she released her like solo album. And the next time we talked about her, he was like, let's not. <laughs> apparently, oh, wow. apparently not the best. Was it not good? I guess. Um, they played it when I was working at Barnes & Noble. They like played it... Uh, as part of our like rotation. Wait, uh, I remember for, like, this. Music. Yeah. I remember and her so, having like a hit and it was on the radio all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This was and right was, at that time. It was bad. <laughs> I remember yeah. it not being very good. Exactly. So I mentioned it to Luke and he's like, uh, let's not. <laughs> oh my god. Do you is he also uh, a flaming homosexual like me? Oh yeah, he's got uh, the little mermaid like perched on the rock in the moonlight, like tattooed over his heart. Oh my god. He's great. That's iconic. Mm-hmm. He's also, uh, I'm helping him make the logo for a candle company that he's starting up. Oh my god, that's the gayest thing I've ever heard. A oh, dude, what company? if I told you that he's making Power Ranger-themed candles, yo? I'll buy one. I will. Dude, he's got one for all six, or all five of the main rangers, and then I think he's planning on doing a sixth one for the white. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, they're great. Um, I'll have that. to link you to his page. That'd be great. I'd love that. I may have also unintentionally named the company. I, I We were talking about it because he's, he's all gung-ho. And I was like, oh, you know, it'll take a hot minute for me to get a good logo for you. But, you know, I can start working on some concepts. And then we can make you something rad. And he's like, you might have just named the company. So we, right now he's calling it Something Rad Candle Co. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Yeah, and we wanted to have, like, a Saturday morning, like, uh... Saved by the Bell kind of aesthetic. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> we got very far off topic, but that was worth it. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> go go buy something from yeah, Luke. Do it. Buy the candles. He's on Etsy. Do it. Well, I'll put a link in the description of this uh, of this episode if you like. 
Cool. That would be All great. Right. I'm sure he would appreciate it. Did we jump into the story yet, or do you still have some more stuff about Eric? Um, oh, no. So, uh, yeah, we did get off topic. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, that's okay. Basically, the last thing is that Eric mentions that this story is one that his grandpa used to tell him, which I call bullshit on. It's way too contemporary. There's no way that there's, like, a traditional Irish folklore story. No, it's yeah, because it takes place in, like, the late 90s. Right. I mean, it's it's about stuff that would happen in contemporary Irish folklore, but, like, it definitely takes place in, like, 1992. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, unless it it's one that he, like, modernized, which I think would be a pretty impressive uh, feat for someone in middle school... I'm calling bullshit. He's but an anyway, yes. uh, so we we fade into our story, uh, and we open on a a tiny Hobbit boy screaming upon an obvious set piece of a tree. I didn't realize it was a set at first. <laughs> I legit thought I was like, oh my god, is this going to be like a contemporary story, like set in like ye olde Ireland, Mm-mm, older than he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they yeah but it is uh, not so, it's a set yeah so uh what i referred to as an old dirty uh in parent in parentheses grossman one word grossman uh, comes <laughs> comes around a tree uh said hobbit just ran past and tells him to stop yelling but then he's cut off by some old dude who's now sitting in the tree and he tells the Grossman not to harass the poor little boy. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that was that's accurate. That's what happens. That's <laughs> just a very, very descriptive way of describing it. I like it. Hmm. Uh, so the old guy, uh, who... I don't know if we ever learned the old man's name. Yeah, he, they call him Aaron. Uh, oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure which one ended up being Aaron. Is Aaron the old guy that's like lounging in the tree yeah that's him oh okay uh there is another name for him but we learn that which we'll get to uh so aaron who's uh like the star of the show he like hops down from the tree and he and the grossman begin to have like a really lame-ass sword fight yes it's it's not great it's no aaron's like laughing in the guy's face and Mm -hmm. speaking in tongues and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like riddles and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then as the sword fight begins, little Hobbit boy gets up and then trips in front of them. And he's all, sorry. And then they laugh it off, and then that's when the, all the set people come out. and Yeah, yeah, they, they call cut. Or yeah. whatever. Whatever the um, equivalent of cut is on a play. Yeah, I don't know enough about plays. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a drama kid. I'm not a stage performer. No. Um... But what confused me about this part is just because, like, I can't tell if Aaron is, like, the actor and also, like, the playwright. Because mm-hmm. he kind of acts like a director. Yeah, I, I think it might be a Tommy Wiseau kind of thing. Yeah, like, star director. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he he's, like, running the show and he's got, like, someone to do, like, basic direction, but it's all still under his, like, command. Right. I can only imagine that's how he has, like, w- which we'll get into, but how he has, like, such a, uh, like, control over everything. Yeah, like, he calls for one of the P- the set PAs and is like, I need me tea! 
Like, right, right. He's, uh, he's very demanding. Uh, whose name is Lucy, by the way. I, I went back and found that out because I kept calling her just, like, Ginger Stagehand. Yeah, I didn't remember her name, so I was just going to call her, like, Red Hair Set PA. But... That, that also works. If you don't remember that her name is Lucy at some point, that's fine. Okay. Um, so, like, the two guys, like, laugh. They call cut or whatever. And then the Hobbit, who shall henceforth be referred to as Jake, uh, we are explained to uh, by Eric... That this is Jake something or other. I didn't catch his last name. I don't think he said it, but it does He did, matter. he did. I just didn't write it down. Oh, okay. It's something. It's like Jake Middleman or something. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. All uh, it's actually boy. Jake Middleton. He's royal. Jake Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, he's, apparently this kid's dream is to become an actor. Uh, this is his like breakout role. Uh, he's going to be performing in Willow the Wisp. And uh, we are then told that this will be Jake's first and last play. So apparently his dream is going to die. Yeah, it ends here. We get to watch a child's dreams crumble before us. Oh my god. It's like a sad episode of Glee. You say sad, I say delicious. (laughs) Mm, The tears of a child. Mm. Uh, Perfect flavoring. Anyway. Unfathomable (laughs) sadness. The perfect amount of salt. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, so so J uh yeah, Jake uh starts talking to Lucy was her name? I already forgot. Mm-hmm. It is Lucy. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to uh, this is after uh, Aaron calls for his tea from Lucy mm-hmm. and he's like slurping it up in the background. Um and he's just like, "What is that? What is that that he's drinking?" and then she explains that it's tea. Um and he, she says that it helps him focus or be a be creative. That's what that's yeah. what she says. Be creative. Which I thought about. Uh, have you ever seen "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared"? I love "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared." Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I just think about the creative song. Like I drank my tea to express myself. <laughs> <laughs> Green is not a creative color. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great song. Which is actually a fitting line, considering this is about a leprechaun. It's, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Full circle. So. Uh, Lucy seems to think that the tea must work, and she's just like, he's brilliant. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah. fucking relax, Luce. She's got... She's hot for director. Which is weird, because he looks gross. Yeah, he's like, ancient. <laughs> he's like, he's not daddy material. Let's yeah. just say that. Nope. Definitely not Dilfworthy. No. No, uh, So, uh, Lil Jakey seems to be a little nervous about his performance, and he asks Lucy if she thinks it would, like, help him. And uh, she says that um, all the ingredients are really hard to find and that Aaron has a private stash and that he won't share because he's a dick or whatever. Yeah, um, but she gives like... him the, uh, uh, the list of ingredients regardless. <laughs> yeah, um, it's at this point uh, where I... I wrote down, is he Irish or Russian? I can't tell, because his accent is kind of not consistent. Oh, Aaron's? Uh, this is Aaron's accent. Yeah, Aaron's mm. accent, yeah. I'm gonna guess um, he is from I... Ottawa. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and that he is trying to sound like, it's it's that like shitty version of acting that you see in like the Lord of the Rings movies where like, it's not always necessarily like, like Anglo-European, because some of them are just doing like like, in Lord of the Rings, this, I would say, is, like, the good version of this, where it's, like, just generically, like, Western European. Right. 
And I think this guy's trying to approximate that, but he's doing, like, the worst kind of job. <laughs> he's not great. Yeah, so it's like he thinks that talking really dramatically is the same thing, which I appreciate on a comedic level, but I think is really sad on, like, a filmmaking level. Right. Let's see. Oh, yeah, so uh, so Jake uh, goes off to talk to Aaron real quick, and Aaron goes off on this, like, long-winded diatribe about, like, the magic of the stage and how Jake needs to let it transport him into another realm. You know, like, drama kid shit. Yeah, the magic of the theater. Mmm. <laughs> mm. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's, like, uh, real pretentious about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Very much so. Uh, so now that he has the list of ingredients, Jake has decided he's going to like scoot his little butt down to like the botanical gardens or like some greenery. Yeah. It's not like said like if this is like a store or like a, just some guy's garden. I, I, uh, initially I just decided it was like some sort of like botanical garden that sells shit on the side. But then I kind of liked the idea that it was a like a farmer's market and the garden just happened to be so popular that it had started taking over all of the like rental space or not rental space, but like all of the space of said farmer's market. Yeah, that makes sense. Like not because it necessarily makes logical sense, but because it satisfies me again on a comedic level. Uh, that's valid. You're good. I also just like the idea that this uh, small man is just like running shit. Yeah, speaking of small man, uh, as as Jake enters this botanical garden, we meet, uh, what is it? It's Sean something. I can't remember his last Sean name. Sean O'Shaney. Sean O'Shaney. He is our, it's not said, is he, is it ever said that he's a leprechaun? Like outright? Um, by the end it's said, but for now all we know is that he is like an Irish dwarf and he has like the most gorgeous mane of like long like black beauty horse tail like hair. Yeah, he's got like uh uh J- Jacob's hair from Twilight like before he cut it all off and became emo. Yeah, his hair is gorgeous, like straight yeah. up. I have some facts about this guy's actor actually real quick. Oh, yeah, go for it. Uh so his name is David Steinberg. Cool. Uh he unfortunately he died at 45. Very sad. Fuck. In 2010. RIP, my uh, dude. But he was in he was in Willow. Uh, the, mm-hmm. Like the movie with uh, for not I was Sounds about right yeah uh, he's you know it it sucks that people who have like dwarfism are cast as like you know leprechauns <laughs> shit yeah yeah like it, it it is a little degrading but I think there's still something to be said about being able to like even though you're not necessarily in the most like complimentary role right you can still impact people in a really great way yeah that was really my only thought uh he's only been in a few things he was in an episode of zoe 101 though oh he was he played a guy named bert Hmm. in zoe 101 that was yeah maybe we'll need to watch it for a special or something zoe 101 yeah (laughs) i know you see me standing here Yes. <laughs> I love that fucking show. <laughs> um so uh oh yeah, so like he Jake like first addresses him and uh all Sean has to say is that the boy quote has the glamour. Oh yes. Which is 
which is a totally normal thing for an adult man to say to a boy in his tweens. <laughs> to a small child of yeah, a, a yeah. ripe 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. You've got it. Uh, yeah, but You've got the look. You've got the touch. Uh, <laughs> you've got the power. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. it's at this point that Jake is like, uh, I need these. I, I came here looking for these herbs, and then Sean's like, "Oh, you come to the right place." And then he he mm-hmm. hands him the list, but then as soon as he sees the ingredients, he flips his shit. Holy hell! He gets so mad. Oh. It's like he like. I I feel like the only immediate thing I could think of was like it's like he just like walked up and punched his like uh significant other. In like the gen slash the boobs, yeah. Just like, and then he just, just like, he goes what absolute ape shit. Just like get the fuck out yeah, of yeah. my. He's like you. He's like you can't have these. Get the hell out of here, you little shit. Yeah, I know exactly what these are for. Like fuck you. Yeah, and Jake's just like they're and just for tea, and he's like, oh, all right. And he's like, oh yeah, I know what kind of tea you're talking about. Yeah, it's that. Yeah. It's that shit. It's that spooky tea. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, uh, as yeah, he gets really mad at him, and then shoo- essentially shoes him out of his greenhouse. Yeah, like st- all short, like just shy of like literally saying "shoo." He's just like, "Get out of here!" Yeah. Or like uh, throwing cans or something, like or rocks or something behind him to like scare him off. Yeah, and as after he leaves, he like throws down the little piece of paper and then slams the little tiny garden gate behind him. And, oh yeah! And I was like, "Oh, so precious." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very good. But it's after this that we get uh, shots of like a skull on the ceiling, and then yeah, yeah, we cut to like a what appears to be like a cave backdrop, mm-hmm. and there's like a bunch of candles, and there's like a hand lighting the candles, yeah. and all the candles are, are surrounding like a headshot of Jake. <laughs> yeah, for the play, because it has Will of the Wisp. And then his yeah, name. Yeah, and uh, the the hand that's lighting the candles, uh, owner of said hand, starts talking about like souls being prepared and eaten and some shit. Um, it it's it strikes me as being very familiar. You've probably never seen this, but there is uh, back during the Satanic Panic with like D and D and shit. Right, like the uh, the eighties and seventies. Yeah. Uh. So there was uh like an anti D and D movie made, uh, starring uh oh no I forgot his name. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Tom Hanks. There we go. I was gonna say, who's the guy that everybody likes? Oh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was one of his earliest uh, acting gigs. Oh yeah, Mazes and Monsters. And he gets like, yeah, exactly. So there was another one made, you know, roughly around that same time called Skull Duggery. Oh shit! And uh, it has an amazing theme song, which, uh, depending on if we feel brave, we might put up a sample. Yeah, I could put up like a five second clip of it or something. Yeah, the opening lyric is amazing. Um, so uh, randomly intercut into that movie, are sequences of this, like, supposed, like, evil mastermind character, and he's, like, putting together a puzzle. And so, like, as the movie progresses, he, like, puts in another piece. Right. Every now and then. 
And so it kind of felt like that, where he's just, like, oh, okay. doing a weird little ritual, and we're just, like, seeing it from this, like, uh, POV-esque camera angle, and then it just, like, cuts back, and it's just, like, nothing. Like, we we obviously get yeah, it explained, like but, like, it yeah, so I, almost doesn't matter. Yeah. It also has a shot of a cute little froggy in a jar. Oh, yeah. Forgot about the froggy. Or, like, a, like a glass bowl. With the frog in it. After this part, we also see his hat there, too. Oh, yes, yes, uh, we do. Jake's, Jake's, like, little red hat is there. It's kind of hard to make out because it goes by it so quickly, but that's what it is. Mm. Um, and then after this, it cuts back to rehearsal, uh, where they're rehearsing the final scene where uh, Jake's character is begging Aaron's character to turn him into a leprechaun because the goblin will get him. Oh, yeah. And I don't know why turning him into a leprechaun will save him, but that's what's happening. Because human meat is what tastes good, and as soon as you become a lep, let's say, uh, you become less tasty, I guess? I don't know. Maybe pointy ears or a turnoff or something. I guess so. In terms of, like... Goblin logic. I also... I I forgot to mention this when the goblin guy was first on screen, but, like, he's hot. I'm, like, I'm I'm slightly attracted to him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just a little bit. Wait, like in costume or out? No, I mean out. I googled his headshot, but also kind of in the costume a little bit. Oh. I don't know. I, I was only half paying attention because I was like, ew, gross, he's all dirty. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, But for clarification, this is uh, the person we're talking about is the Grossman that oh, we mentioned earlier. right, right, right. Yeah, we never called him the yeah, Goblin. He, he's supposed to be a Goblin in the story. He just kind of looks I like... must have missed that. He looks like a rejected Princess Bride extra. Yeah. Something along those lines. He's just all, he's just got shit all over him. Yeah. Anyway, as they're rehearsing this final scene, uh, Aaron starts doing the, like, the ritual, quote unquote, to turn him into a leprechaun. Um, yeah. And uh, then... He's got, like, a limerick. Uh, did you write it down? The limerick? No, I didn't. I did. Okay. Uh, so he starts saying this magical limerick that'll, quote, turn Jake into a leprechaun, end quote. Uh, and it is. Fairy rings dance and sing, the mortal gloom a dying thing. Turn me now into a spirit bright, and leave behind the human plight. Uh, after which you like take a swig from your like wine skin, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, so Jake's supposed to be repeating. Yeah, Jake repeats each line after uh, Aaron. Aaron's character, and then Aaron takes a swig, and then Jake takes a swig. And that that's how that's supposed to go. Um, in this case, uh, Jake takes a drink, and it appears to have lowered the pitch of his voice. Right. I think it's all deep and growly. Yeah, I wrote here, uh, my current headcanon is that Aaron is attempting to age up Jake so that he can take him as a lover. Oh gross. my, ew, that's gross. That's super gross. Mm-hmm. If we can't have Lucy the stagehand. Right, right. Well, Lucy, Lucy's too much of a kiss ass. You know, he's got. You gotta, you gotta find someone with a little fight in them. If if you just get with a yes man or woman, I guess, like that's not interesting. No, it doesn't spark. How, how it doesn't spark gonna... joy. Right, and it doesn't spark creativity, mm-hmm. which is which is what Aaron's this is all thing. About, really, yeah. All right. So, as he he notices that his voice got deeper, and then he freaks the fuck out, and he's like, "Stop! I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah, like, Aaron Aaron tries to, like, quickly hint to him just, like, to work through it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, like, what? No, this is weird. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and then uh, <laughs> Jake has a really good line read here. Uh, or Jake's actor, I guess. Uh, but my voice changed. I changed. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. I love that dialogue. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Eric yeah. talks about like making magic on the stage and how it's... Uh, like he's got the glamour and stuff. More things about the glamour. More, more like long-winded stage talk. Yeah, and Aaron saying that that he has the glamour makes him go back to visit Sean O'Shaney, the mm-hmm. scary gardener from earlier. Yeah, we we neglected to mention this because it's not really super important, except for this exact second. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sean hands him a business card the first time they meet. Oh, right, right, and then he pulls it out. Yeah, this is when he pulls it out, uh, and, like, the background music starts to sound like extremely magic school bus for a second, which was great. Yeah, I wrote down, I love the whimsy, mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. it's so it's so whimsical. Yeah, uh, I think part of the melody has some of the same keys that were used in the uh, magic school bus background music, and I think they're using, like, the same kind of flute keyboard voice or something. Yeah, like that kind of... Not MIDI, but like you know what I mean, like the like the pre-programmed the in like flute noise, yeah. yeah. Like the 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 flute Yamaha preset, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. So uh, Jake returns to Sean's like plant kingdom thing, uh, and he finds him doing like some straight up Jedi training. <laughs> oh yeah. He's just uh, what is he doing again? I forget what he was like. I forget what exactly he's, he's like doing. He's meditating in some manner, I believe. Yeah. Oh, he, oh yeah. He's doing a handstand. That's what it is. He's like upside down yeah. with his sick ass ponytail. Yeah. He's, he's doing like, like a like a straight up handstand Jedi like meditation thing. Yeah. And as soon as and Jake shows up, he like immediately tells him to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Because the lead in is him. It's his POV while he's in the handstand. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jake walking upside down mm-hmm. towards him. And it's just, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. I was really confused. But yeah, so as soon as Jake shows up, Sean's like, fuck you, go away. Yeah. And so. Um, and then slams his door in his face. Not even in his face. If you go back and rewatch it, like, as Jake's, you know, it's that classic, like, follow behind somebody be like, I know, but I gotta explain this. And this thing is happening, and I don't understand. Uh, like, as mm-hmm. Sean slams the door, it looks like it smacks him right in the dick. Oh my god, really? Yes, it was amazing. I watched it three times. <laughs> oh my god. So funny. I have it I have it open. I'm just gonna like look at that real Yeah, quick. yeah. Go for it. <laughs> You're totally right. Yeah, it's oh my god. it's stupendous. That's amazing. Like he he is viciously abusing his child. Yeah, that's Jesus Christ. Yeah, so he um Sean lets him into his little hut. Uh, after he, like, begs to be heard. Well, and then, okay, so this hut, sorry, I, have, I have some thoughts about this hut real quick. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay, so what we see is, like, a tiny, it's like a one, uh, maybe, like, two foot by two foot, like, uh, square of land with just, like, a little roof on top. And then it's got a wooden door as well with a little, like, four-leaf clover cut out. It looks like a like a dwarf-sized outhouse. Yeah, but it's, like, when you get inside... Well, we'll get there. Okay. So, uh, Jake goes right up to the door handle to explain himself. And if... It, initially, while watching this, like, I was like, if this is actually an outhouse, like, I'm severely unsettled by Jake's lack of boundaries 
and or willingness to smell another person's dookie. <laughs> yeah, because he's, like, taking a shit. And he's like... He's like, well, if, if, if that was to be believed, like... He is right up by that door. Like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, and there's also like, a, there's like a you... hole in the door too, because he's cause... yeah. And like, if you were in the stall, if you were in a stall in the bathroom, and one of your friends, and you were like chit chatting, right? Because like you're in the bathroom together. Like, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Ha, bathroom. Um, <laughs> so, like, if they came and slammed themselves up like right by the like door of the stall that you were in like to the point where they could basically like peek in through the cracks on the sides of the door like that would be so weird yeah like that's such that's way too close <laughs> and you you like you said smelling poo poo would definitely be a thing yeah that's weird that's weird um but uh eventually uh oh oh so uh Jake's going off about how like uh it made his voice change and how like everything was weird and how like just the whole situation. He's sort of explaining things. And, uh, <laughs> the way that Jake talks about it, it kind of makes it, uh, feel as though Sean's about to give Jake like a talk about the bird and the bees. <laughs> yeah. Which I was really excited about. Well, son, when, uh, <laughs> um, the bird and the Blarneys. Oh. No, that's terrible. I'm <laughs> no. so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so, but then, uh, the door opens and we find out that it's actually JK, it's a wooden TARDIS and is huge inside. fucking enormous. Like, it's big enough to fit Jake, who is pretty tall in comparison to Sean, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he can Um, not stand up, but he can, like, crouch. Yeah, and, and uh, Sean is pissed. Yeah, like, because when, as Jake comes in, he's like... Why'd you, why, why'd you let me in? And he's like, I let you in to say your piece. And go on with it. Like, he, is, he is angry at this child. Um, it takes a little bit of time. But then Sean finally realizes that Jake is a clueless, dummy idiot doo-doo head. And uh, that he doesn't actually know what any of the ingredients are for. And just cluelessly asked for them based on like what... Uh, others were doing in this yeah, case in this, Aaron. yeah Aaron in this case um I forget yeah so he, uh I'm just trying to figure out what like at the, the events of this scene oh uh so um Sean informs us that like the ingredients are only attainable by making a deal with a spriggan and then he says like oh you like he he says what was already mentioned before by Eric where it's like oh like they can't resist deals no matter how terrible they are, like they yeah, have to do. They like re-explain, and that, that's how you get some of these things. They re-explain the whole deal thing. Yeah, and so um, it uh, becomes clear, according to uh, Sean, that like some weird, like, uh, m- like pixie-based fuckery is going on. <laughs> yeah, like this kid's in deep shit. Yeah. We- and he doesn't know, and clearly there's somebody who knows of, like, old world pixie magic whatever mm. that is uh, hoodwinking some bitches. So <laughs> I, I really like the guy who's playing Sean. I think he's doing a really good no, job. he's great! He is great! He is so lovely. Yeah. Like, he seems, he seems to really be, like, just... Again, maybe not the most complimentary role, but he is making the yeah. most of it. And he's I getting love his it. full paycheck. 
Absolutely. Like he's committed and I can applaud him for that. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, that guy. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I would love if uh, this guy turned out to be like a, uh, I, I'm 90% sure this is not the case, but I would love if this guy turned out to be like an unsung Sardo type character that, you know, like reoccurs a handful I of times. Wish. Like that would be sick. I don't think he does, but that would be awesome. No, I'd be super down. Um, so uh, uh, Jake says that the play opens tomorrow night and Sean seems super keen to attend. Because, again, pixie yeah, fuckery. some shit's going down. Um, yeah. Um, and then after that part... So we cut... We cut back to... Yes. Another rehearsal, which is... This is like... The, they mentioned that this is like the last rehearsal before the show opens. Um, yeah. And they're in like yeah, full wardrobe the... and everything. Is that dress rehearsal? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I get... Yeah. T- dress rehearsal doesn't have to be like the last one, but it's the one where like everything is happening. Like all the lighting and all the... All the costumes oh, okay, are all yeah. done and stuff. It's like the okay. the fully prepped right. stuff. It's not like tech anymore. That would make sense. Um, okay, so yeah, they're they're doing that, and uh, we we find that Sean is like stealthing about backstage, doing his best like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Right <laughs> oh my god! So, yeah, so I I wish he walked. Oh, that'd be great. He could fit. They mm. do it. Exactly. Um, and they're doing they're rehearsing the same scene that they were doing in the last scene uh yeah so um sh- uh sean uh so sean's watching and uh aaron and jake are, like you were saying uh are doing their like transformation ritual thing and there's something about uh aaron's lines that like clues in sean and he like skedaddles off to like take action of something yeah, so uh so no i was gonna i was just gonna continue you go ahead though no no that's, you got that's it that's cool uh so this time instead of stopping when he hears his voice go deeper he like finishes the line uh mm-hmm. but as that happens sean is quickly untying some set in the background and then the giant fake tree that's being held up by rope falls down and stops the yeah. ritual from being finished did that confuse you as to why, like, they wouldn't just, like, have, like, a board in the back of the tree to, like... Stand it up. Have it lean on? Yeah, like, like a, like a, uh, like a T, uh... Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like it's maybe because they need to, like, maybe they ha- it's one of those plays where they have, like, a full, like, a transition, and they need to, mm. like, pull it down as the scene transitions... Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's like an effect, like something happens and the tree is like made to fall yeah, over. Yeah, but still, they for scenes that that doesn't happen in, they really should just have it on a, like a T block. They should just have it there anyway because you could still pull it over with a rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems really yeah. strange. But um, anyway, oh, oh, this was where I had uh, a, a stroke okay. of brilliance, if I do say so myself. Um. Once again, the puberty <laughs> has made Jake's voice and balls drop. <laughs> the puberty. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he gets mm-hmm. real th- thick-voiced again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sean unties one of the ropes. It causes the tree to topple over. And while everyone starts running around in a frenzy, uh, Sean finds a hiding spot underneath a yeah, desk. Again. Again. Metal Gear Solid style. It's also like caution. That. <laughs> 
so <laughs> they're alerted. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, so Jake happens to pass by the desk, and Sean grabs his attention. And Sean explains that he untied the rope, and Jake says something to the tune of like, "You almost killed me," or something. And uh, Sean explains that Jake is in serious danger, but not from the tree. Yeah. And uh, he tells him to look into a nearby mirror where we can see that Jake's ears have gotten all pointy. He's got elf ears. Which apparently... He's got elf ears. I guess leprechaun ears. I mean, same diff. Gelfling. (laughs) We can't... Like, visually, it doesn't seem like there's a huge difference. Um, uh, So he sees that his ears have gotten all pointy, which then prompts... Uh, an amazing dollar store approximation of the Home Alone scream. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so bad. Just ah. And then that's what leads us into our commercial break, followed by a Midnight Society segment. Where I don't think anyone said anything that I felt was worth uh, writing I didn't down. Um. So in my notes, it just says, "Cut to the MS. Cut to the story." Yeah, well, because they don't say anything interesting. It's literally just like, right. his ears got pointy? Wow, no way. What happens next? Okay. And then they start the story again. It's not like right. the other ones where they're like positing on the story. Where they're like pontificating For like stuff. ten minutes. Yeah. 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 It's just, whoa, pointy ears? No way. Who knew leprechauns have pointy ears? Any- anyway, no what happened way. next? <laughs> and then they just go into it. Yeah, yeah. And then they just like cut back. Like it is it is a nothing. Right. Uh, and then we cut, we cut back to Jake looking at himself in the mirror with the ears. And, well, Sean is, like, explaining that he was suspicious of it from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says that Jake is becoming a changeling. Which surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about this, uh, like, mythology. Yeah. So, you know, uh, feel free dear listener, to let me know that I'm a silly, dumb yeah, idiot. Well, I was gonna say, I know what changelings are, but, like, the way that they're described in this episode is not how I generally see them depicted. Understand them. Yeah, Because, yeah. like, most of the time, it's changelings are people that can change their shape at will. But in this one, right. it's like, they're being forced to, and they can't fix it themselves. Which is right. strange to me. Yeah. But Jake's just um, like, it's a play, it's not real. And then he, Sean's just like, you better ask them pointy ears you got. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a, So uh, while this is happening, at some point, um, I think it's Sean goes and sits in like this wooden mm-hmm. chair. And there is what clearly looks like an anus <laughs> carved into the chair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a star. Or, like, a sun. Yeah, yeah. It's clearly supposed to be, like, a starburst or something, but, like... Oh, berries and cream? (laughs) That would actually fit. Yeah, because he's kind of like the berries and cream guy. I love berries and cream. But but with less of that, like, Prince Valiant haircut. (laughs) Shame. Oh, my God. Um, Somebody also pointed out that the berries and cream guy kind of looks like... uh... Oh, no, I forgot his name. He was one of the guys that was running for uh, the Democratic nominee. This year? Yeah, but there were two. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, oh, is it the gay guy? Pete Buttigieg? Yes, that one. Yes, yeah. Buttigieg, yes. Oh. It looks like if Pete Buttigieg had a Prince Valiant haircut, which I am all about. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, God. I know. 
Um, so yeah, so it's at this point that Sean is like accusing Aaron of like being shady, and then they decide to go down to his room in the basement to I don't know look through his shit and investigate. Oh, oh yeah, let's let's cover that real quick. Uh, so you know, again, uh, right before this. Um, Jake's trying to be in denial. He's like, Aaron wouldn't do this to me. And then like, like never having thought about this before on any deeper level, Sean's like, oh, well, where does he live? Apparently Aaron lives beneath the basement of theater. <laughs> like, like he doesn't what? know how he just lives like, in the what? theater. <laughs> Like, he lives in yeah, it? Yeah, because Jake's like, yeah, his room's downstairs. He always likes to nap before his performances. Yeah, like, <laughs> like what? Who the fuck? That's not oh, a thing. No. That's not a thing I know that people do, except for the Phantom. <laughs> like Eric, the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, yeah. If he had an organ, that would have made everything. <laughs> oh my god. The um, way you said the Phantom, so, like, I was just really caught off guard. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. No, you're good. Uh, so, like, Sean hears this, and instead of saying, like, I'm sorry, the fuck? He what? That's weird as shit. He just, like, smiles and is like, hmm, maybe we should go for a visit. He, he's like, perfect time to visit him then, because he's, like, napping mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then... Yeah. Uh, so they start to head downstairs, and Jake has put on what I've... Uh, quoted as being a sneaky beanie. He kind of looks like he's doing. He he looks like he's the he's the outfit that Eminem wears in Eight Mile. He's mm. he's like he's See, like a little bee rabbit <laughs> from Eight Mile. Mm. I I so I connected it back to I don't know if you've seen any of it, uh, but the like new CW Nancy Drew. TV I have series. not been able to see. It okay, yet. so in the first handful of episodes, she has this beanie that she always puts on when she's doing a sneak and like she it's like she has to have it it's sort of like in uh, a series of unfortunate events where the oldest sister has to like tie her hair up when she's coming up with inventions yeah it's like if i'm gonna be a sneaky girl i have to put I on my beanie s- my sneaky beanie tea that's awesome uh, yeah that show sucks uh, it's i great. can't wait to watch it check it out yeah it's oh dude it's so like did you ever wonder hey what what would happen if we took this series that's all about, like, hard evidence and solving mysteries and just added a bunch of ghosts? Oh, no, fuck. You're kidding me. Welcome oh, to Nancy Drew, man. the TV series. The, that's the current awful. One. Yeah, man. It is so oh dumb. Oh, God, that's so... That's hot garbage. I can't wait to watch it. It's, it is the hottest garbage, and it is bliss. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, so Sean sees, like, a fire alarm once they head downstairs, and, uh, or a smoke detector, rather, and, uh, he acts like me when I see, like, a good anime series on sale, he just freaks out and loses shit, he's like, oh my god, I have to do, I have to take advantage of this right now. I have an idea. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's also, like, the most sci-fi looking fucking smoke detector I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like a little UFO. It's like red. One. It has like a red light. And Oh but yeah. But it's like big. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as a diversion, uh Sean gets up on the chair and like waves his fucking smoke pipe 
over it to get it to go off. Yeah, yeah, they've got yeah, because they've got to set up their totally sick, not clickbait yeah. prank. You know, P- prank invasion. Fucking what's his what's his <laughs> what's up, prank invaders? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like they just like set off the fire, uh, uh, the smoke detector, and they just like sneak into a nearby room, yeah. and they just wait till Aaron leaves. Um, which, to me, was less about, like, oh, yeah, we, like, came up with a cool trick. And more like, oh, yeah, we're going to abuse this guy's, like, caring about fire safety. <laughs> it's like, fuck you for caring about the theater that you live in. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like, yeah. Oh, that's great. Which I think was the worst, like, uh, the most, like, evil-aligned thing that they did in the episode was, like, hey. You know this system that's here to protect you? We're going to take yeah, exactly. that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So a- after Aaron gets out of his room and angrily walks away, they run in and shut the door and then enter into Aaron's room, which is full of, like, weird medieval shit. Like, it's got a stained glass window. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a helmet on a table. A stained glass window in the in, basement? Yeah. Where, where is that window going? The ground? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and this opens up to the ground. <laughs> and then this is when we come across the altar that we saw in that last uh, scene in the basement. With Yeah, I've got a typo in my notes. So instead of saying, uh, it's here that we discover the stone altar with the candles and the headshot of Jake was actually Aaron's room all along. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote candies instead oh, of candles. The candy altar. It's just got little dishes of like <laughs> yeah. Werther's all over yeah, the place. Yeah, he's oldie. Like, it's got Werther's originals and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, so Aaron starts to come back eventually. Uh, they, uh, oh, and he's got uh, he's got the frog trapped in the glass. Yeah, which Sean the, reveals, uh, which Sean says is yeah, a changeling. Sean says it's a changeling. Um, and um, Sean's like looking for something in particular, like in a bottle of like all these sh- all this shit that's like on his altar. And then just as Aaron is about to come back in, he finds it, and they both go hide under the bed. Yeah, which is, like, totally, like, S-tier stealth technique. Yeah, especially from our, the god of stealth, Sean O'Shaney, who hides under <laughs> desks. Uh, mm-hmm. Nanomachine's son. <laughs> Although, I don't think you could call... Wait, ooh, 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 would he still be called something snake because he's not in Ireland anymore and all the snakes were driven out of oh Ireland? <laughs> all the... Oh, I, I, I you did it. You did it. You're so... I don't know why. I don't know how that matters or what it accomplishes. So but proud I did. of yourself. <laughs> I love it. A little bit. <laughs> so uh, Aaron runs back into his room. Uh, at which point he takes his ears off. Wh- Dude pulls off his fucking which ears. Which are like, I guess what? they're like prosthetic. Um, I guess. But then we have to buy this idea that uh, now we see like what his true ears resemble and they are <laughs> so big humongous. i wrote this down i was like are you really fucking trying to say that those ears fit inside the other ones i said basically i literally word for word this is exactly what i wrote as well like fuck you there's literally no way you could simply stuff those ears into fake human ones they are three they're times so size. big and they're thick too it's not even they're like they're long huge. they're just they're like borderline house elf size yeah, ears. Like yeah. go to hell. And then uh, there's a pe- there's like a shot from under the bed as Aaron walks over and he takes off his slippers and he's got like gross hairy hobbit feet with like long yeah, ass yeah. nails. And then he starts to uh, like he takes off his shoes and then his bathrobe 
uh, to reveal stank ass hobbit feet, yeah. like you said, and a massive patch of fat. <laughs> it's not even like hairy all over. There's just like one congealed spot of back hair, and it's thick. It's so gross. And then uh, it was at that moment that I had to write down a separate note. Uh, I, I, I'll take basic notes in black, and then I'll throw in little extra notes in red. This is okay. one of the red ones. Um, let me. Oh, I just realized this episode features a child watching a grown man partially undressed. Don't <laughs> we do not stand? No. Yeah. So they're tr- they they try and come out of the bed, and then they make a little noise, and Aaron's like, Rrr? and turns around, but he doesn't see him, and then they. Yeah, so Aaron begins to hum at his altar, dedicated to a 12-year-old boy, and uh, the two slowly, like, use that time to right. escape. Um, and then after nice. this, we we cut to the fact that Sean has just revealed to Jake that Aaron is a banshee. Which I always thought were just, like, screamy lady ghosts, but maybe well, I'm dumb. In most folklore, banshees are, like, scorned dead women who, like... yeah. It's usually related to like marriage or like a lost love, betrayal, or, yeah, stuff or like, that. like infidelity mm-hmm. and stuff. Which is, but this guy mm-hmm. is just—I guess he's just a banshee because you know whatever. <laughs> because more like a man. Ah. <laughs> um, I'm the worst. Yeah. So he he explains that all of the all of the ingredients uh, in the tea. Are like what banshees eat? Yeah, so uh, apparently banshees have to feed on like human souls every seven years, and leave an animal in their place. And that's the like, frog, like, for reasons. Yeah, I don't really get yeah, how. That I works. guess the frog is like the remnants of the last person he ate. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I'm gonna get really overly technical. For okay, two go seconds. nuts. Maybe. Since no matter can be destroyed or created, um, after consuming the soul of the changeling, mm-hmm. um, you have to have something left over, and you can transform the leftovers into whatever. So a frog is just small. It's just the most like compact version of that package that you mm-hmm. can make. There you there go. go. I, I don't think anyone... Oh, no, story, but that's but a good explanation. That was... That was the split-second theory I That's came up with. That's a good little headcanon. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, he leaves a poor creature in his place, and that's when Jake realizes that it's the that it's the frog. Yeah, that's when I realized yeah. it. Yeah, you. You realized. I put all the pieces together, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, my God. And then Jake's like, oh, my God, okay, we'll go to the police, and we'll, we'll go call my mom, and then we'll... Yeah, and then she's like, uh, Sean's just like, no, you can't, you can't go on living as half a changeling. Which I don't know why not, but whatever. <laughs> There's just, I guess they just can't go to any kind of authority. Maybe uh, I, I kind of was hoping that uh, they would give some shitty explanation of how like the cops are in on it or something. <laughs> it's like you can't go to the cops. He's already bought off he's the cops. Bought, he's bought the banshee. Bought off all the cops. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, like he has like incriminating yeah. photos or something. But Sean tells him n- tells him not to worry, and that they're gonna beat the banshee at his own game. Mm-hmm. Beat, beat the banshee. Hashtag, hashtag beat that banshee. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, and so th- no, it cuts to it. opening night of the uh, of Will of the Wisp. Yeah, it's like uh, towards the end of the first. Yeah, act. it's like right near intermission. 
Um, and then <laughs> Gross Boy. Or what did you call him? Grossman? The Goblin? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Grossman. <laughs> like, chases him off stage. And that's how the first act ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes back to his, like, little green room. And then Sean comes out from behind the clothing rack with, like, a yellow cape on for some reason. Yes! <laughs> yeah, it's like a, uh, like a pale, uh, like, sandy mustard it's cape. It's like a shawl of some kind. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing, like, his full, like, he's wearing the tri-corner hat. He's got, like, the mm. full get-up. He is ready. Apparently this is his combat outfit. And This I'm is how he it. combats the Banshee. Yeah, okay. So he says that mm-hmm. there are three rules to beating a Banshee. Uh, did you write these down? I, I did not, but I know the first one is ha- uh, have oh. no fear. Yeah, yeah. So uh, rule number one, be yeah. fearless. He hands Jake a vial with two spiders in it and says, swallow yeah, just them. eat them. Uh, which... <laughs> Yeah, which which he peer pressures Jake into doing after he resists Dude, a little bit. Uh, I was like, "What the fuck!" Like, because like they're not. Nah, man, it's just like that clothing. Brand, no, no fear. fear. One one fear. Spiders. spiders. That was that was the tagline of the no fear clothing line. Eat spiders. <laughs> yeah, but they're um, like big spiders. So they're Sean, not like little ones. They're huge. No, no, they're pretty big. Like they're pretty yeah. sizable. I wouldn't no, eat them. I wouldn't eat any of them, but I especially wouldn't eat those ones. Yeah. Um, so uh, then Sean gives him like a little something to add to like the prop wineskin, which I feel like would be with the prop master, but you know, yeah. whatever. Screw me. Yeah. Um, and oh, and then uh, Sean starts throwing around glitter and recites another incantation, which is like ruined tree, red thread, uh, puts the witches to their speed. Which doesn't make any or real sense. Like it's just kind of. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what is happening. Uh, so then. Uh, rule two, the 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 first rule has like a lot of like in, involved like little moments, and then the other two were just like kind of glossed over real like, quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So two is give him a taste of his own medicine, and then the uh, like the only description we get for that is uh, Sean saying, "Don't drink from that wineskin during the play." And then he goes, "Yeah, Jake goes, okay. don't worry." <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, "No yeah, shit, yeah. Sean." You think I want to be a lep? You think I want to be one of you? A lep. Like, lep in the hood come to do no good. Right, right, right. Actually, I should probably stop. That's probably their word. I, um, so then, uh, the third step is like, don't take your eyes off of him, slash, spellbinding. Yeah. So, uh, the explanation is that you have to lock eyes with the person you're turning the spell against. Or else it won't work. To, like, make sure that yeah. it works. Um. Uh, and then... All that's left is Sean, like, gives him his blessing. He's like, I hope the angels are with you. Bye. It just fucks off. Yeah, and he just, like, goes back to watch the rest yeah, of the play. he's in the audience. I mean, I guess he's not in the audience. He just fucks off, though. Yeah, but, I mean, still, he's just like, angels be with you. Bye, but bitch. Later. This is, I just noticed this <laughs> right now. This is a very elaborate way of, like, convincing a kid to eat, to, like, be eaten. I guess he's, like, trying to be sly about it. But, like, going through a whole play, that's, like, a lot. I, okay, so, um, not that I've put a ton of thought into this either. But, uh, I have to think it's just, like, a certain degree of this, uh, this Banshee, quote-unquote, uh, this, like, Banshee's ego. Where it's, like, not only am I going to eat your soul as I am a, an old-timey, ye olde Irish creature thing. 
uh, yeah. a pixie, uh-huh. if you will. Um, but I'm also going to make you like do a whole presentation, so to speak, like effectively like a whole quote TED talk on my culture as I eat. Yeah, your I'm going to put on this killer play while I eat you. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I think it has to be some amount of like the creature actually also enjoys performing on some level, but the content of the play being Irish, I think is something that we have to observe in like why he has to do it this way. Like, I think it is just like this, like semi masturbatory, like, Ooh, let's hear all about my culture. And then I'm eating. Yeah, and then I fucking eat you for dinner. Not yum, yum, yum. In my tum tum. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we we're back on 